Just had a you know bit of a pre World Cup warm up yesterday. <laughs> well, it's important to get these things started off on the right footing. So, Ed, first of all, I should say, um, the people may not know this. Are you um, uh, in a, the fortunate position of being someone who, in inverted commas, works at home during the World Cup? I, I am indeed in that fortunate position. Yes. Yeah, I, I wonder whether there'll be some uh, just on in the background World Cup games. Just in case my employees are listening, I absolutely will not be focusing on anything else bar work. Honest. Okay, well, that's that's good to hear. Um, there is some talk at my place of employment uh, that there will be a television set up somewhere, uh, but I think that that's pretty unlikely to come to pass. So apart from predictions of how many matches we'll be able to watch during this tournament, what do you think is going to happen? I'd like to discuss with you who you think is going to win. Obviously, we need a dark horse pick because it wouldn't be a World Cup predictions discussion without a dark horse pick. Have a look at top scorers. And uh, just to throw something a little bit different in the mix, top assists. Ooh. Who's going to get the silver boot, if you will? Yeah, in I mean, I think it's... Uh, it promises to be an outstanding tournament and for a number of reasons i mean we've got some got some great sides here obviously and it's going to be played at reasonable temperatures i think that's quite important actually when the, the height of the heat wave they had in germany four years ago didn't help and and south korea and and japan the oppressive conditions there certainly didn't help european sides either so i think i can i kind of think that will help It'll help the football. It'll certainly help some of the European sides. It may even help England, um, although that's probably only removing one excuse for their inevitable failure. <laughs> um, yeah. they, let's face it; they need a lot of help. They they do need a lot of help. Uh, in terms of predictions, uh, I'm afraid it's a bit boring. But I, I think the the two favourites for the tournament are Brazil and Spain. Brazil are not the the samba football Brazil of of you know, folklore. And in fact, I don't. I think we've had a Brazilian side like that for quite a long time. Um, they are pretty negative. They play with two defensive midfielders, but they've just got quality through the side. I, you, you might have picked the the left side of their defence as a weakness before, but um, Michael Bastos has, has just been outstanding in recent games, so I don't think even that's a weakness. Uh, Rubinho seems to come out of his shell and uh, always um, puts on a performance for Brazil, even if he doesn't in club football. Um, and they, they've got some great uh, attacking midfield players as well. Obviously, Kaká, if he's now fit and, and back in form. And, and then Spain are just magnificent. I'd, over the last two years since they won the European Championships, they, they've barely lost a game. I think they, they, they've, they've, lost, they've lost one game. To, to the USA in the Confederations Cup. And, um, and that was a pretty bizarre game. Uh, and they, some of the football they play is outstanding. I mean, I'm sure you've seen the... 
the uh, the goal they scored uh, to open up against Poland in their warm up last week. A pretty magnificent piece of uh, intricate play uh, before the goal, and um, and of course they've just got some brilliant individuals as well uh, in Torres and Villa. They're they're two players that who could each win the Golden Boot. Uh, you spoke about that, um, and then uh, they'll have Mata and David Silva in a sort of four, uh, just wonderfully attacking players. And and then uh, if if uh, Mata may only play if if Iniesta's not fit, so you know that that's a tough choice, right? Iniesta's an incredible player, and then Xavi orchestrating things in the midfield. In fact, they're 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 so good that uh, Fabregas may well not get in the side. You'd kind of expect uh, Spain on form to to meet Brazil in the final. Certainly, that's the way it's seeded. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of can't really disagree too much. I can't find any a single other team that looks as strong as either Spain or Brazil. But it's also entirely possible that Spain will implode um, as they used to always do. Although, of course, they 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 have really stopped doing that recently. They've got a ridiculous uh, group. Honduras uh, have to be in the the real kind of bottom rung of teams in this competition, I would say. Switzerland, obviously, probably the weakest European team in the competition. Um, If they win their group, which I think we can all agree that they're probably going to, then they get the... uh, They do get a tough second round game um, because second place in Group G, uh, which is who they play, if I'm not much mistaken, uh, is likely to be either Brazil or Portugal or the Ivory Coast, all decent sides. Um, if if Brazil somehow manage to not win that group um, and Spain do win theirs or vice versa, that kind of brings up the possibility that... Um, those two sides that you mentioned will face each other as early as the second round. Yeah, it could, it could happen. I don't. I don't think it will. I, I actually think uh, Portugal have got some problems at the moment. Obviously, they've lost Nani uh, with that bizarre shoulder injury he got through trying an overhead kick in training. The, the idiot. <laughs> um, and uh, Ivory Coast uh, obviously got problems with Didier Drogba's arm injury, and and North Korea are just awful. I expect i've n- actually never seen them play has anyone um <laughs> <laughs> um the, the, you said ivory coast have got problems um i was my easily my most disappointing bit of well second most disappointing bit of world cup build-up news was sven and ericsson getting the managerial job at the ivory coast because if they didn't have problems beforehand boy they sure do now yeah, yeah lock up your daughters Sven is on his way yeah well lock up your early exit tickets home because um, Sven is a really, really, really poor manager, uh, I think. Yes, well, um, I, I, I don't think Ivory Coast qualify from that group. I think uh, Portugal, for, for, for the problems they've, they've had, uh, and they just they haven't looked as good as they, they had done in the past under Kieros, um, but they still do have Ronaldo there, and he's a obviously an extremely potent weapon so I, I well, do think Brazil will win that group and uh, avoid that kind of Spain-Brazil clash in the second round but um, we'll see I mean you're right that Spain do have a pretty weak group I mean Chile are a good side uh, yes. but I don't think they are as good so but no I mean um, y- you mentioned Portugal um, and we will come on to having a conversation about United players interest and it's a real shame that Nani's not in tournament but Ronaldo really hasn't been as effective for Portugal as he has 
in his club game really since the last uh, World Cup. Yeah, th- there's there's been this. Uh, they've swapped around tactically a, 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 you know, a little bit, and so they do tend to play this three up front. And on occasion, they've stuck him down the middle, and I actually don't think that helps him really. I think uh, he's better uh, playing as a, a wide uh, wide man in the three, uh, as he has done for Madrid. And as soon as he got fit for Madrid this season, he was outstanding. So, um, but w- we'll see. I, I think. Um, and probably play Laidson now, won't they? And uh, with Nani out, and uh, play uh, Simao and Ronaldo wide, and, and that's probably going to suit Ronaldo. So um, th- that might have helped them tactically from there. Of course, the um, the, the tournament opens up today with uh, South Africa and Mexico and Uruguay and France, and, and I expect that none of those teams will be going very far uh, for various reasons. I mean, South Africa are, are awful. Mexico, we saw them against England recently. Good technical side, but you wouldn't expect them to to get that far in the tournament if they qualify from this group. Uh, France, uh, amid the infight, I mean, they've got a wonderful squad of players, even without a, a few surprise names you know, left at home. But they uh, they're fighting amongst themselves. Uh, apparently, Gallas is in a strop because Patrice Evra has been made captain. They all hate Ramon Dominic. Uh, Patrice Evra has apparently lobbied to have the wags there, so they're all uh, more interested in you know, what the ladies are up to than the actual football. It's uh, it's chaos in the French camp. Um, well, and and Uruguay got... could cause them some real problems. I mean, they've obviously got Forlan and Suarez up front, and they're a couple of you know extremely dangerous strikers. You're your dark horse picks then um france are not amongst them because i think they're they're one of mine i think france this 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 tournament qualifies a dark horse because dominic is such a terrible manager and the infighting is so extreme but i think that is a hell of a talented squad i wanted to add to your predictions for winners um a friend of mine has been repeatedly lobbying for the Dutch to be considered amongst the proper, proper favourites for the tournament. And I think if if an alien from outer space who was extremely good at judging player quality but knew nothing about the history of football would definitely put the Dutch in amongst his favourites because that's a hell of a squad. Um, they, they've got an incredibly effective squad, but of course they're the Dutch, so they'll implode and lose at a crucial stage or lose on penalties in the semi-final or something gloriously tragic will happen to them because that's what always happens to the Dutch. Yeah, um, I, I, I mean, look, they've obviously got some, some fantastic attacking talent. I, I mean, um, in in Robin and Van der Vaart and Schneider, they've got three of the real form players. I mean, obviously Van der Vaart, yeah, start the season outside the Real Madrid squad and then uh, with Kaká's injury became a really important player for them Schneider was absolutely fantastic in Inter's run to the Champions League final um, and and Robin, uh, Robin is Robin he's an incredibly dangerous player if he stays fit and of course there's already been an injury scare about him and it seems like he probably will be fit for the tournament but um, but you know will, will that last I, I think uh, Holland's problems are in defence though and and I don't I don't like the look of their if you if you you take a look at their squad I don't look, like the look of that I mean they'll be playing Van Bronckhorst who's in his mid thirties at left back um, Andre Oya will probably start he's in his mid thirties too um, and then you've got people like Heitinger who's who's you know looks like a decent player now an Everton player of course will probably play on the right side but I I don't I don't look at that and think that's a really talented back four 
their 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 talent lies up front, and um, you know how they get the best out of that's the important thing, and and you know, which which mix. Uh, well, they go for the really attacking mix where Van der Vaart, Schneider, uh, Robin all play with sort of probably Huntelaar as the the pivot. Uh, will they go uh, or, or Van Persie? Sorry, uh, will they go uh, with a slightly more conservative formation where where Coit plays on the right of that sort of three behind the uh, behind the main striker, um, or will they will they unleash uh, Ibrahim Afalai, who who's an outstanding player um, and played a lot for the the Dutch side in recent times, but um, but obviously plays for one of the less fashionable clubs in European terms in PSV. It's a massive World Cup prediction show cliche, but the team that wins the World Cup is the, the is not necessarily the most effective looking squad on paper and it's also not necessarily the squad that looked best in the build-up to the world cup if you look at the last world cup argentina looked absolutely mesmerizing uh, as we went into the tournament and in fact during the group stages and then kind of fell apart uh, fairly quickly um the dutch do have problems in defense for sure but perhaps they've got enough over uh, attacking talent to overcome that it, it, it's such a brilliant tournament the world cup because because it always does throw up something you weren't expecting you mentioned argentina there which is which is pretty interesting because they they just they were so poor in qualification and diego maradona is obviously mental yeah. uh, but he's just got this array of tacking talent now he's got six forwards in the squad which is which is great if he can get anything out of all of them they'll probably play with the the three up front and no one really knows exactly what mix uh, and can they get the best out of messi who's often played uh, for Argentina in a two up front it just doesn't suit him does it so you, you look at their squad and think wow they've got goals in that squad and and of course uh, some some outstanding de- defensive players too they also have Di Michaelis at centre back uh, which I think we, we've all seen is definitely an issue uh, he was pretty dreadful in that Champions League final wasn't he uh, he was dreadful through most of the Champions League campaign, and 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 <laughs> Bayern Munich got away with it somehow. Yes. I mean, the, the, uh, let's just spend a minute talking about Argentina because it's ridiculous that no one is saying, "Oh yeah, Argentina right there up amongst the favourites in this tournament." And it is really entirely because Diego Maradona is completely mental. I think if you're going to play. Uh, water carriers in midfield and you don't pick Esteban Cambiaso there's something really wrong with you he clearly has no regard whatsoever for the vitally important role that attacking fullbacks have played in World Cup winning sides of recent times um, because he hasn't got any fullbacks in the squad he's going to pay four centre halves essentially um, across the back four and get them to stop at the halfway line on the Guardians football podcast uh, Jonathan Wilson was saying there has been one team in Europe that's been quite successful playing with four centre-backs um, over the last uh, season and that's Stoke um, and hopefully <laughs> you'd think that Argentina were aiming a bit higher it's um, it, it, it's absolutely shocking and, and it's such a shame for Leo Messi that, that Diego Maradona is the manager because if they had a tactically astute manager they you, you'd have to put them right right up there maybe even nudging ahead of brazil on just on like the amount of natural talent in the squad i mean they've got messi and and messi's like the player i'm most excited to see at the world cup you know in a way because he's 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 just such an exciting player to watch obviously barcelona are just a better side than argentina so 
Uh, I think that helps Leo Messi, and and that's part of the reason why he's just not being able to reproduce the same kind of quality he does at club level for international level. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's not even do they need a tactically astute manager. They need a manager who's not a nutter off his face yeah. on cocaine every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yes, basic sanity. They're one of the very, very few. I think there's probably only two teams in this competition that could be improved by having Sven as their manager, and that's Argentina and France. Um, <laughs> Ouch. Um, <laughs> I mean, we, we started this conversation uh, talking about dark horses, and I, yeah. I think one of, one of the other ones, that, who haven't got a chance of winning the tournament, but have a chance of causing some upsets, um, is, is Serbia. Who I knew you were going to say that, not that you've got a vested interest. Well, I, do, I do, of course, have a vested interest uh, do, doing some blogging about Serbia for those who... Uh, those who wonder why I have a vested interest. I mean, they just do have uh, an outstanding back four uh, who uh, Vidic, Sabotic, he, he might not play, uh, Kolarov and um, Ivanovic from Chelsea, um, who, who ought to be uh, as good uh, during the tournament as, as as they were during qualification. Of course, they went into the 2006 tournament having only conceded one goal in qualification and and ship six against Argentina in the group stages. So um, who knows? Maybe they'll blow up again. And they haven't been that great in the, in the warm-ups. But given Germany's problems, lost so many injuries, they could well end up winning that group. Uh, and if things go to form, they'll end up meeting the USA in the second round. And then um, the loser of the France group in the quarterfinals. I mean, it, it plays out like that, doesn't it? So, which again isn't potentially the toughest draw they could have so we could end up if you if you want a real outsider with with uh, with Serbia in the semis uh, again you know a few things have to go their way for that to happen I, I think that's that, that's a good shout and and I'm gonna take another shout for a dark horse and that is um, the mighty United States of America because nobody's talking about them for some reason everyone was celebrating when England were kind of drawn with them in the group but they did extremely well at last summer's Confederations Cup in South Africa Um, they're a very well organised side they're tough, they're mobile Uh, they've got a little bit of talent in amongst the mix and um, again depending on how the groups shake out not necessarily the toughest draw because they could play Serbia in the second round and out of all the teams that Dark Horse it's kind of your Dark Horse against my Dark Horse in in a way Um, I I think they they could take that same route through and, and Go on, go on a fairly significant run, and, and they do really do have some good players. I mean, uh, we we saw in Fulham's run to the UEFA Cup final just how good Clint Dempsey can be in that attacking midfield role, or even up front. He may well play up front. Um, uh, I, I would say uh, one of the people that might surprise uh, a few teams is, is Edson Buddle, who's the the LA Galaxy striker. He, he's not played much. He's actually you know a latecomer to the international scene, but. Um, he he's been you know pretty good in some warm up games and you kind of look at him and think mm, yeah he could force his way into the side because Josie Altidore of well uh, strictly speaking Villarreal but obviously he was at Hull scored a goal in 475 games or whatever it was for Hull you, you wonder whether he's he's actually he's you know actually really the man to to lead the USA line and of course uh, he's had a, a, an injury recently. But, America's problems, though, and and it's really obvious, are, are in defence. 
I mean, they you know, Onyewu, who's, who's supposed to be their kind of star defender, has been injured virtually all season for Milan, uh, just hasn't played at all. Uh, Jay Demerit, the, the mighty Jay Demerit of Watford, will, will, <laughs> will partner him in defence. So, uh, you, and, and obviously, uh, mask wearing Carlos Bocanegro is is, uh, is the squad captain, and uh, he'll probably play as well. So you do kind of look at that and think, hmm, yeah, I, I've, I'd fancy scoring some goals against that. But they they definitely have some good players uh, in three midfield on that front that, that could cause some damage and, and in Tim Howard one of the tournament's outstanding keepers I uh, I like a masked go- uh, a masked centre half though I think, I think that's a, that's always a good look I think Landon Donovan obviously uh, a fine player had a very uh, impressive little run at Everton last season uh, so yeah I think I think there'll certainly be tough competition for England um, and of course England always uh, start dreadfully in World Cups uh, and then build, don't they? And then crash out <coughs> disappointingly. Yeah, well, I mean, um, England are fortunate, of course, that they've got a, a reasonably favourable group. Uh, I, Algeria, Slovakia, USA, in no terms is that the toughest group they could have got. And uh, Slovenia. Slovenia, Slovenia, Slovakia, yeah. <laughs> potato, potato, <laughs> global, co- you know, national nationalist conflict, you know. I, I know, I've probably started a war there or something. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, yeah, it, you know, England have to get through that group and, and they really ought to win the group as well. I, I mean, they might actually, you know, you're right, England do start slowly in these tournaments and they've been less than impressive in the two warm-up games they've had. Obviously, there's the issues around Gareth Barry's fitness, which of the goalkeepers he's going to pick, the lack of Rio Ferdinand. So there are some real problems for Capello here, and we could well find England drawing with the, the States on Saturday. I, I, I wouldn't be that surprised, but I do expect them to, to warm into it, win the group, and uh, probably end up playing Serbia or Germany in the second round. And, yeah. Could end up playing, really could end up playing the Germans. I, I, I have very little faith that this England side is going to go very far. I just don't think it's very good. Um, and I, you know, you just look at this, their central defence and, and keeper situation. I mean, the best of the three keepers, uh, you know, you'd you say is probably David James, but he's got this injury. He's you know, fifty nine. Uh, Rob Green is just <laughs> average in every sense of the word. There's nothing nothing impressive about Rob Green and Joe Hart looks like he could be an outstanding keeper but he's got zero experience and to throw him into a World Cup and all the pressure it would just be insane but you know you never know it might happen and if you look, look at the centre of the defence without Rio you've got John Terry who goes wandering constantly he's always caught out in the air always has zero pace and Ledley King who could be a fantastic player but actually has very little experience at international level doesn't train will probably break down uh, and then you know we're relying on Michael Dawson who has no caps to his name so I, I just look at that and think there's not a chance England wins this tournament and if they make the quarterfinals that's probably about on par with historical performances so um, I'm glad we've kind of just naturally swayed on to having a discussion about England because there's a, there's a, there's a few things that um, that I wanted to talk about I kind of don't disagree with anything you've said I think my clearly the most disappointing thing that happened in the build-up to the World Cup was Rio getting injured because a it would have been brilliant to see Rio captaining his country um, in a World Cup because you sense that would have meant a huge amount to him and um, now we've got Steven Gerrard who I'm sure it means a huge amount to too but I have less natural personal inclination towards um, 
Steven Gerrard than Rio because I think Rio is a pretty decent chap. Mm, and uh, Gerrard's a turd of a man, yeah. <laughs> well, I wouldn't quite go that far, but whatever. Um, I, I know you're not a fan. England also, let's talk about some of the positives because, yeah, clearly they've got massive problems in defence. That's that's really the problem areas. But they've they've got Ashley Cole at left-back who's going to come back fit and whatever you think about him personally, that's a, a he's a very fine left-back. Um, they've got some really good players in midfield um, and they've got, you know, one of the top three or four in the world in our very own Wayne Rooney and he could make an enormous difference you know because average sides with one brilliant player have a history of doing pretty well in the World Cup oh and totally 1986 uh, you know Maradona scored like 80% of Argentina's goals and he, he uh, in you know what is historically people considered to be a pretty average side winning the World Cup yeah yeah totally agree with you yeah I, I actually think uh, I think Capello will, will work this out I don't think it will happen in the first game but I think he'll work it out and he will play Rooney there on his own with a whole bunch of midfield players buzzing around him because that's where England's strength lies and uh, he seems stuck in this mindset on on playing two up front and probably starting with Heskey and I think that's I actually think that's a shame because you um, and he'll probably do that because because uh, Barry's not fit right so he'll he'll drop Steven Gerrard back Gerrard will play in a, some kind of holding role which will be a disaster because it he he's far too selfish uh, and his ego's far too big to actually play that kind of discipline role but as the tournament progresses I think he'll end up pushing Gerard much closer to Rooney and bring Joe, Joe Cole uh, into the side and have just you know, a more dynamic uh, system which will suit Rooney better um, or maybe he won't work that out and he'll continue playing uh, you know, a straight 4-4-2 we'll see I mean, apart from Rooney, Capello is England's greatest strength, I think. I think that, you know, um, he's easily the best England manager for quite some time. It's a real shame uh, for England fans that um, he isn't managing the 2006 squad of players or even the 2002 squad of players um, because I think there was a more natural balance to the squad, certainly much stronger at the back. Um, because yeah, like you say, without Rio, they're in real trouble. Interestingly, on the on the subject of the goalkeepers, I think uh, I think Joe Hart is is definitely the most kind of talented of the bunch, and that'd be like you'd want to be around the squad to know whether he was the sort of player that could handle step the the huge step up in in pressure that it would involve. But you have to say, playing behind England's back four is probably not that different to playing behind Birmingham City's back four except Birmingham City's back four is probably a bit better um, <laughs> ouch I, 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 no, it's, I mean I actually mean that I think that you know <laughs> Roger Johnson and Scott Dan who I believe are both English would probably be a better central defensive partnership than you know John Terry and Ledley King um, Ledley King is a fantastic player but but he can't train so how is he going to play uh, three matches in uh, Eleven days, uh, and then and then the and then the knockout stages. Yeah, I I think it's a real problem. I, I just uh, yeah, I I just can't see England going that far. I think, and and in fact, look as as well as Capello has done, as as well as England qualified nine wins out of the the ten games. Whenever England have played a decent side in the last two years, England have lost. They've lost to Spain, Brazil, and France. So um, that just tells me that this side is just a. You know, a notch or two below, and and maybe even a notch or two below that if if uh, if we don't have our you know first eleven fit. 
So I think I said our then. Yeah. Well, you know, I am English, I suppose, but I, I'm no real fan of the England side. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to put my cards on the table though and say that I would really like England to do well in this tournament. I, I, the, the, there's multiple reasons for that. I mean, okay, so England fans, as in the people that follow England around the world and, you know, boo United players and all that kind of stuff, that, that's one thing. But that's, that is a minority of the people that want England to win the tournament. I, I just... I just like the. It's because I'm in in England rather than because I'm English that I'd like to see England do well, you know. Because it's really fun. The atmosphere that builds up around the country when England do well in the tournament is pretty cool, and uh, you know, I, I enjoy that 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 sense in the air that you get uh, when England do do well in the tournament. My my second nationalistic choice. My my mum is French, so. Uh, I've historically always supported the French when once England had been knocked out of tournaments. Um, <laughs> well, it's, it's a close call who's going to get knocked out first, I think. <laughs> yeah, this this time I think it might be the other way around. Um, uh, and also like that Thierry Henry handball has uh, made made me sad about um, England. So I, I would really like to support one of the African sides. Uh, I, I used to live in Zimbabwe, um, so I got a real like affinity for Southern Africa. I'm really super excited that the World Cup's going to be in South Africa this year. I, I, I don't think any of the African sides are going to do any good, though, because Cameroon are rubbish, South Africa are rubbish. Um, the Ivory Coast look like they've lost Drogba, and they've got Svenja and Eriksson managing them, and Ghana have lost Michael Essien, and if there's one team that can't afford to lose one player, Apart yeah. from like England and Wayne Rooney, it's Garner and Michael Essien because he, he's just uh, he's just an absolute beast when he plays for the national side. Uh, of course, the best team in Africa by a country mile is Egypt, and they're, mm. they're not not in the tournament. So, yeah. uh, which was uh, a real shock for African football. I, I I think you're I think you're right. Actually, I think they're all pretty poor. Uh, the Africa. A, lo- a lot of people have hopes for Cameroon, and, and of course, you know, any side that's got Samuel Eto in it uh, is going to be a threat. But um, I don't think they're very good, uh, I, and we could well have a situation where no African sides qualify for the second round. It's uh, that wouldn't be that much of a surprise to me. I think Ghana have probably got the best shot because. Um... Oh, mind you, that's a tough group, really. It's Serbia Australia and Germany, and, yeah, Australia. And Australia a... are not mugs, are they? You know, they're, they're a decent enough side. Yeah, well, they qualified uh, by right through Asian. Of course, Australia um, opted out of Australasia. Uh, sick of playing Vanuatu, Fiji, Tonga and New Zealand. Uh, they they qualified through the Asia campaign and qualified by right. Didn't, didn't need a playoff of any kind. So, you know, clearly they're a decent side. Yeah, so you, you might be right, and and yeah, it's a it's such a shame that Egypt aren't at the tournament because they'd be my dark horse pick if they were, which is you know funny thing to say about a team that's not even in the tournament, didn't even manage to get through qualification. But yeah, they they are they're they're just a cut above in terms of African football, aren't they? And yeah, Cameroon. Um, I, this is again just me cribbing from Jonathan Wilson's tactical knowledge on being expressed on the Guardian football podcast but he made the extremely good point that Samuel Eto's real genius is in his movement which uh, is brilliant if you're playing alongside Wesley Schneider or the Barcelona midfield but the Cameroon midfield is less able to take advantage of that um, so he's obviously much less effective in his national side and he's a right powder you know he, he does tend to get into a sulk when his teammates aren't as good as him which they're not um, but they've got an uh, they've got they need to get past Denmark and Japan, um, so perhaps they've got the best because the Dutch will you'd say are going to win that group, right? Um, so 
Denmark and Japan, that those are potentially winnable games for Cameroon, so maybe they'll be the one that gets through. Uh, yes, I mean, yeah, uh, that, that they have an, an option there. I, I wanted to talk about who who paid, we talked about who, who we think might win and some of the dark horses. I want to talk about the worst team in okay. the tournament as well. New, which, New Zealand, is, which have got to be New Zealand. I mean, I re- honestly, I really do not know anything about North Korean <laughs> football, but uh, they've actually drafted in quite a few uh, players from the J League, right? Which is a good standard of football in Japan. So, um, some you know, Korean Japanese. Uh, ancestry being brought into play there which which is quite interesting for such a, a closed society but yeah the worst team has got to be New Zealand who who have a, a, a heavy amount of local players uh, in what is probably the worst league in the world um, they, it's, it's, not, it's definitely not the worst league in the world because they've got a professional football league in India um, I watched <laughs> it on television when I was there and it's not good <laughs> well um, I New Zealand qualified, um, which, you know, impressive that uh, they were helped definitely by Australia uh, going to Asia and also uh, FIFA's change. Of course, the Australasian uh, winners used to have to qualify against the uh, fifth place side in South America, and that's not the case anymore. They they qualify from, against one of the losers from Asia, so they beat Bahrain in a playoff after uh, coming through against... Vanuatu, a tiny little island in, in Polynesia, uh, Fiji and, and Tonga and Tahiti, I think, in their final group game. And, and that, that's only because um, some of the really, really small sides uh, have to get, play through the uh, Oceana Cup, uh, which is effectively a qualification tournament for the qualification tournament. Uh, and so you don't get this situation where sides are beating... 45-0, which is what used to happen in Australasian football when they could barely find 11 men on their island, let alone a football <laughs> side. Um, but yeah, here we have, here we have, you know, the, by far and away the best player in the New Zealand side is is you know, Brian Nelson, the Blackburn Rovers captain. Uh, he, uh, he'll uh, defender. He's the captain of New Zealand. Um, there's really no one else who's any good at all. I mean, um, Chris Killen at Middlesbrough barely got a game even in the championship last year. Uh, and um, there, of course, is uh, Tommy Smith, who, who's uh, the Ipswich Town defender, who, who again didn't play that much for Roy Keane's side this year. But aside from that, yeah, awful. Um, yeah, but if I could pick a single country in the world to be a fan who goes to all the home and away games... I think I'd pick be a New Zealand fan because that is some tropical holiday destinations they've got to play against. I know. I've been looking through my history to see if I've got any, uh, got got any ancestry here. Um, well, I was, I was thinking, well, I'm Vanuatu, Southern Pacific, and it looks quite nice, nice destination. <laughs> I've got to have some Southern Pacific ancestry here. I mean, I could probably qualify for the team. Yeah, I think it's it's very likely your great great grandfather once went there on holiday. Yeah. Yeah, so so yeah, easily the worst team in the tournament. Who's going to be the top scorer at this year's World Cup? Um, well, I mean, you'd say the obvi- the obvious two to pick are Torres and Villa, simply simply because they score so many goals. Of course, they they uh, they might you know at, you know take goals away from each other as a result. Um, but I, if I had to pick one, I'd say David Villa, just because he's such a natural goal scorer and uh, he is fit and. Uh, Obviously, just had that massive move to Barcelona after another fine season at Valencia, and it's got all those uh, great midfielders behind him. See, I think that's a really uh, a, a decent pick because Spain have got such a, a terrible group. Um, because really, the key to uh, the 
top scorer golden boot is the the first round hat trick isn't it that's that's what you need you need the Lineker against Poland that's that that's how you get there um interestingly Peter Crouch is 60 to 1 to be the top scorer at this year's World Cup and uh, I think he's <laughs> I think he's got a better than 60 to 1 chance depends how England do in the group stages I mean you're, yeah. you're you're totally right about that. and he does he's a flat track bully right he he mm. scores constantly against rubbish sides and uh, we've got some pretty rubbish sides in the group there and uh, yeah yeah, he he may well score a whole bunch and of course that's if he gets in the team of course and uh, Capello is said to be 50-50 on whether it's it's him or Heskey that starts Um, and then as as I said I think England will will kind of regress to a a one-man forward line for the latter stages of the tournament so he might not get in the side but again a threat off the bench I suppose I think Van Persie's another one with an excellent chance of uh, a golden boot. But it always ends up being someone you'd never have expected it to be before the tournament, I think, or normally does anyway. Um, and then uh, most assists. Yeah, hard, hard one to say that. Um, I, I mean, uh, I guess you'd if you were picking from names, you'd say people like Kaká. Who uh, who will float around uh, the Brazilian forward line? You might pick a, a couple of the Spanish lads. Uh, David Silva is just brilliant, and it's a real shame he won't join United. But um, I'm sure we'd love to see him there. He um, they keep calling him a winger when you uh, hear reports about him. He, he's really not. Uh, he, he will play just in behind. I mean, they have a very flexible front line. So, but he's the kind of the 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 player that's uh, just behind the forwards uh, for Spain uh, Xavi plays a lot a lot deeper in a, a more uh, more orthodox central midfield role um, so maybe maybe he'd be my pick interesting I think I'd go with Wesley Schneider uh, as my pick for most assists but um, uh, Robinho's an, uh, another good shout I think probably um, yes I'd say I'd say Cristiano Ronaldo but we all know he's not not a huge fan of passing the ball no, uh, he it's it's all about him. Although um, uh, a nod to one of the many annoying World Cup adverts there are at the moment, the uh, the Nike uh, "Write Your Future" advert is 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 quite funny because uh, uh, Cristiano does mock himself somewhat with a, the huge statue and uh, films about him uh, with uh, Gabriel Garcia Bernal <laughs> and uh, Estadio Cristiano Ronaldo. So yeah, I think I, I think he he does have a sense of humour about that uh, massive I, ego of his. I take issue with your calling that a stupid advert. I think that might be the greatest advert ever made. I I, I, I said I, was... I said annoying, but um, oh okay, but, right. yeah. And I think in total, the amount of World Cup adverts can be annoying. Actually, the ones that really annoy me are the kind of non-country specific internationalized ones so it's some car manufacturer from you know asia somewhere and they have a whole bunch of people in mixes of shirts uh and you know of no specific nation they're all chanting something which is completely indecipherable in any language at all in celebration of some global coming together when we know football's not about some global coming together unless you mean it's england fans smashing up the uh uh, some poor city centre somewhere, you know. It, it's 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 uh, it's just not real, and it's really annoying. But there are some really creative ones, and and the, the Nike ads are really creative. Um, my um, my other half who, who uh, is American uh, and uh, you know is is slowly getting into the football thing. Uh, really likes the the Coke celebration advert, the history of 
you know, it starts with Roger Mir and it's got all players dancing. Uh, I do think that's quite a nice add to And so, so there are some good ones. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the ones I really don't like are the ones which are... Like, I don't mind... Nike, obviously, have kind of license to advertise during the World Cup because they're a sports-related product, but shaving and football are not related to each other. I just I just want to put that out there. There is no direct correlation between shaving and football, but uh, it, it always seems to be treated as if somehow there is. Uh, well, I, I don't know. I mean, have there ever been any really great players with beards? Yeah, absolutely. Um... Uh, the guy who was top scorer in the 1978 um, uh, Argentina side with the spectacular beard and the long hair. Mario Kempes and of course Socrates from Brazil. He had a beard. Oh, and yeah, yeah Gary and, and... Gary Bertels. Yeah, he had a beard. <laughs> <laughs> One of the true greats. And Roy Keane on occasion has sported a beard. Yes, normally during his during his uh, more you know insane times, you know he's had a turn when he starts growing a beard. Yeah. Uh, oh, and Jonathan Greening. Th- that's true. I don't think he's ever played in the World Cup, though. No, and his beard is better than his beard is a better example of a beard than he is of a professional footballer. Um, so, um, one, one other thing I wanted to cover was, of course, the, the United players um, at the tournament who who appear to be dropping like flies at the moment. There, there were nine. Now there are seven after. Uh, Rio um, uh, injured a knee. It doesn't look too bad. It looks like a, a minor ligament, ligament damage. And uh, Nani tried an overhead kick in training and uh, you know got a bruised collarbone again, not broken, so he should be back for pre-season as well. Uh, and leaves us with not that many. Uh, Wayne Rooney, of course, um, who, who will be uh, England's talisman. Michael Carrick, who certainly won't be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who will be uh, this year's appointed Manchester United-related England scapegoat? Well, maybe. I don't think he'll get any game time, though, so it's hard to be a scapegoat if you don't play. Um, th- there's, there is uh, Javier Chicharito Hernandez, of course not played for United yet, uh, officially joins on the 1st of July, so I don't know whether he's strictly speaking a United player during the tournament. Depends how uh, far nothing. Mexico go. Yeah, uh, exactly. It depends how well he does. But he's been scoring for fun in, in uh, his had what 11, 11 internationals scored eight goals I mean he's scoring tons uh, in, in some of the warm up games it just depends Mexico tend to play with one up front and they've been kind of rotating Hernandez and Franco so um, uh, you know, he might not start it would be a real shame I hope he does play today um, and yeah. then the, there's of course uh, Lebler's uh, captain uh, Patrice Evra a great honour for him I think and uh, yeah, a good choice a leader on the pitch off the pitch uh, very funny, fantastic player. Had a great season for United. deserves uh, deserves that captaincy. Um, and uh, shame he's just in a, such a rabble of a squad. Um, Park Ji Sung, of course, um, South Korea's sort of leading player and global icon of South Korean football. And um, someone else that you can't remember. Someone else I've totally forgotten. Yeah. It has been a very long episode of the Rankcast, though, and um, we were going to talk about some of our favourite World Cup memories, but perhaps we'll leave that and see if there's a quiet week uh, at some point during the World Cup. I've uh, I've very much enjoyed talking to you about this. I was excited beforehand. Now I'm ridiculously excited. Can't wait for three o'clock this afternoon uh, when it all kicks off. <laughs> Oh, 
Mm-hmm. 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 Mm-